they say that they're going to release it. And I'm just like, when? Please release it <laughs> for Christmas, please. So <laughs> that's funny. There's some large companies out there who are sweating bullets right now, know. just knowing that yeah. their their credit card flow is insecure. Check but Justin's waiting for flow. the CSS release. Yep. <laughs> All right, everybody. How's it going? Welcome to our last episode of the year. So uh, we just wanted to give a really big thank you and shout out to everybody from the critical thinking community. All of you who have been there from day one up until maybe this is even your first episode. Um, we just, you know, we can't really thank you enough for everything that you've done. Um, it's been amazing to see the community come together and consume our podcast and give us feedback and interact with everybody. And uh, it's just been an amazing year overall. Um, we definitely couldn't have asked for anything better. So, you know, shout out to you guys. You guys made this happen. Um, you know, thank you to everybody in the Discord. Thank you to everybody on YouTube. Thank you to everybody on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and just everywhere. It's It's been amazing to see the outpour uh, from the Bug Bounty community to our podcast. And it, it really just uh, is giving us a signal that we need to keep doing what we're doing. So, um, you know, thanks again for all that. And um, we're really looking forward to what's going to be coming in the next year. Um, this episode is really just uh, a very chill sort of recap for me and Justin. We're going to be going over our sort of year in review, uh, the the trends that we had in our own personal hacking experience, some of the things that we'd like to be doing next year and moving forward. And um, yeah, like I said, thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks for you know sharing the podcast, supporting us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we can't wait to see what happens next year. All right, we're rolling. So, so you were saying 10, you have 10 gig now in your house? Yeah, so I mean, technically, I'm only getting like 7.8 gig down and like four gig Set. up. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it could be worse. 7.8 <laughs> gig down, is that what you said? Per yes, second? Yeah. 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 Per second. Holy crap, dude. What'd you have to do to get that? Uh, they wanted me to sign up. Honestly, they sent me uh, they sent me a letter in the mail. They're like, hey, we're, you know, said, we're rolling right, this out. This guy's a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sent out all these things in the mail and they were like you know speeds up to 10 gigs and i was like holy mm, crap oh, okay what, what you know we'll, we'll see about that it's a local one to the bay area called sonic wow that's yeah. crazy so they, um yeah they, it's crazy so it's, it's dude it's 50 dollars a month <laughs> no way yeah, oh, the, yeah. oh! I thought you—they were at least priced. That's uh, that's cheaper than mine, dude. That's what cheap. It's cheaper than what. So I used to pay uh, for a different ISP. I used to get one thousand down, and I paid for higher upload speed for thirty-five megabits up. Uh, and I I paid eighty-five dollars a month for that. That's what mine is. Yeah. And then I got this letter in the mail. And they were like, yeah, "Speeds up to ten gig." I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever." I look it up. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, it's available in your area. 50 bucks a month, three months free. He says, I was like, yeah, okay, okay, whatever. As he types it into the search bar. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. As he we'll clicks see. the sign up button. Because yeah, oh I'm always, I, I always look for, you know, a better deal if yeah, there's dude. one there. So, um, and sure enough, they had it. And they were like, you know, here's the status for laying lines. And, uh, you know, I signed up and sure enough, they, they came and they, they installed like a, a fiber termination box and stuff. I was going to say, did they have to like dig yeah. through your whole front yard or something like that? 
No, so um, they run the fiber on the poles here because uh, okay. we don't have like snow or anything like that. Sure. And uh, they basically just teed it off from the pole up to the like the roof of my house. Wow. And then they ran it through my attic and down into my office and they terminated it with an ONT just like on the wall. There's like I, there's a fiber line like coming. Did through you my have to cut? Did you have to cut like a bunch of holes in your wall? No, there's there's a single drill hole that they put like a little flange around and wow. um the fiber line just like runs along my ceiling along the wall terminates here because i don't have ethernet throughout my house right, otherwise right. i would have done it somewhere else um and then it just connects to my server and my server pushes everything out it's crazy wow dude that's crazy your your server rack behind you there has better internet connection than in some <laughs> freaking data centers now <laughs> yeah dude yeah you could probably see so i've got um I've got some really fancy, fancy, schmancy stuff here. This is um, <laughs> this is a 24 port, 10 gig switch. Okay, so oh it's got gosh. 24 Ethernet ports, and each Ethernet port puts out 10 gigs. It does like 300 gig per second throughput. Oh uh, it can do 25 gig service. Did you it's buy like all of this recently, so <laughs> so it costs these, you fifty dollars yes. <laughs> to upgrade, but then you spent an extra thousand dollars in hardware in the first week. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. These two, these two are new. These are these are new fancy Can upgrades that even I deal with it. Like, yeah. So no, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so both of my computers, uh, the best adapters that I have do two and a half gig. So I can saturate those for sure. Like I've done speed tests on my laptop at like two and a half gig. Wow. Uh, the speeds that I can get that I'm getting right now are coming directly from the gateway. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I have I have cards adapters coming in the mail that are that will right, so, give me so ten gig on my, though, on my how, devices. How much did you spend on all of the crap surrounding your new ten gig upgrade? Also, you're moving. Yeah. You're going to be moving in the next, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. So yeah. Okay. You, so 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 here's the here's the thing. Um, you ain't going to get the, those speeds in East Coast, <laughs> man. It's not going to yeah, happen. I, I probably won't get the those speeds from my ISP. What what this yeah. does do is it gives me internal ten gig. So my whole internal network has 10 gig speeds now. Right, so well, I can transfer <laughs> files between my NAS at 10 gig speeds. I can transfer things between devices, all that kind of stuff at, at 10 gig speeds, which is yeah. I guess a that's nice cool perk. if you have like a like a media server or something like that. Which I do. Okay, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um that's what that is. Nice. Um and then uh the hardware was about two thousand dollars. Um, oh my god! For, for the upgrade, <laughs> dude, ten that gig was, stuff is expensive. That's, that's more expensive than I was thinking, man. What the heck? I was it's I was expensive. getting ready to cringe at you saying five hundred dollars. No, no, no. So, oh, so the no. gateway, like the gateway. If it was just the gateway, that would have been five hundred bucks. The real expensive stuff is when you start to have like multiple terminations of ten gig. So, just for some context here, and I know we're rambling a little bit, we but are, but. Hey, it's Christmas a, time. Like a, like a USB slash Thunderbolt adapter for like mm -hmm. a laptop. So like a Mac, right? It has all USB-C Thunderbolt uh, four ports or something. Yeah. An adapter for that that does 10 gig is $250. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Jeez. like the all the like the switching, honestly, like the switches and stuff are cheaper than it is to buy the adapters for the actual endpoints. Like my PC is going to use a PCI Express 10 gig adapter. That's like $70. That's not like too bad, right? right? Like right. Th that that's doable. $250 for like That's nuts. You know, it's crazy. So some of these things are like really really expensive just because it's not a widely used so like most people, right? Like you can buy a two and a half gig adapter readily. Most yeah. people 
don't need more than two and a half gig. I contacted my ISP because I was like, hey, so uh, I got like all my I got my equipment set up and I did tests and I'm not getting my full 10 gig speeds. I'm only getting like seven and a half down and like four up. And they were like, okay, well, like uh, our end, it looks good. like, we're, it looks like <laughs> we're, we're delivering the full 10 to you. But like, I don't think anybody in your area is going to have anything close to that. But let me look. <laughs> and like he looked and he was like, all right, well, nobody has anything close to that. But like, the closest I could find is somebody has an Eero that's got like two and a half gigs symmetric oh and they're not gosh. having any problems. So, you know, let me know like <laughs> if that's you find crazy. what the problem is. I was yeah, like, they okay, did, they whatever. They didn't expect you to go drop, you know, freaking two grand on all the equipment you needed to <laughs> like call them out on their bullshit on their 10, 10 gigs up and down. That's yeah, crazy, for sure. Man. Like, I, I don't think most people have have this level of equipment, but um you know, I like I like fancy toys. Your your, so. your home setup is pretty badass, and your automation setup and that sort of thing it's pretty great. So, uh, definitely makes sense that you would invest in that. And since we're since we're already off topic, I might as well take us a little bit further. Well, this one's ta- <laughs> tangentially on topic that I was just going to talk about a little later. Um, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen for anyone who is uh, following along on YouTube. Um, but dude, check this out. So I recently um, can you can you see my screen yet? Yep. So I recently set up, um, so sort of inspired by your uh, Python-based sort of encoding, decoding systems, you know, the various modules you've set up over the years. Um, yep. I t- told you I was working on my own sort of uh, keyboard shortcut-oriented um, sort of utility system, let's call it that, right? Where, where you know, okay. you can do uh, URL encoding, decoding, base64 encoding, decoding, and that sort of thing. And then I thought, man, this would be really cool if it had a sort of a UI-based um, portion of it, right? Um, and so I, I found this tool right here. This is called Flow. Um, okay. And it's like a little launcher, and you can program it with Python modules. And so I, I wrote a bunch of Python. I just installed it last night, but I wrote a bunch of Python modules for it. And one of them is like this, like JWT, right? And then I can paste in mm-hmm. a JWT and it will go ahead and open it right away in like JWTIO mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Uh, let me see if I can get it to, to show. Yeah, like this, right? And then it'll inject it right into JWTIO to make it easy to see. Uh, and I've got it doing okay. like um, various hex parsing and URL encoding and decoding really quickly. And one of the ones that I found the most useful is this one. Check this one out. So I pop this open and I type MRR, right? Match and re- replace regex. And essentially what yeah. it'll do is it'll allow me to uh, specify uh, in the first parameter of this, it, I'll specify a, um, and for those of you listening, it's just a small box on my screen that's popping up and uh, I type a little command into it and it will show me the output uh, in that same little box or copy it to my clipboard. So what this one yeah. does is it is it does uh, match and replace regex on what is in my clipboard. So I can say like, okay, um, let me go ahead and replace every, uh, you know, A character with a B character, right? And if I like okay. go ahead and just copy this command and and run it. Now the, the contents of my clipboard is MRRBB instead of MRRAB, right? So like all of the time when you're I'm trying to work on stuff like I'm wanting to strip out new line characters or I'm wanting to like you know remove every character that's not a number or something like that, and then I've got to either do it manually, or I've got to write a little Python script for it, and now I've just kind of got this really easy plugin based. 
um, launcher system that will go ahead and run all of those match and replace regexes for me and that sort of thing and or and remove various you know like for example the scenarios where you need to remove a, a backslash right because you're copying right. escaped JSON into normal JSON so you can do right. that sort of thing um, and then some of the other things I've got on my list that I haven't fully built out yet is I want to have it like quick quick query um, quick query ChatGPT uh, 3.5 and be able to do that. And I also want to be able to have it do OCR automatically, where I'll, I'll like have a picture in my clipboard and then I'll just hit like OCR and it will take all the text out of that picture and copy it into my clipboard. I just feel like that'd be super badass. All right. So for OCR, I have a yeah. thing for you. It's um, there's a tool called Power Toys. It's actually written is, by, I think, yeah, by Microsoft. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. Power yeah, Toys. Yeah, the guy run. who... Yeah, yeah. So there, he has... Um, there's like an OCR utility built into that. That's open source. Oh, um, really? So OCR. have you set up this Power Toys Run thing? Yeah, I have it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, the other thing, Joe T Finney's so why, text why aren't you using this for for your like Power Toys or Flow or anything like that for your encoding modules? Um. So there's a couple reasons. Uh, the main thing is, it's extra overhead so for for mac this reminds me a lot of this there's a tool called alfred um yeah 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 alfred which is a it's it's kind of like the, it basically just looks like your spotlight but it has a bunch of different tools and you can do all, all the same kind of stuff you can um you can you know have it run scripts and custom handling and all that kind of stuff it's very 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 similar so i imagine mm -hmm. you could probably do the same thing with alfred on mac yeah um for me, I like being able to like chain them together and like have sort of the flexibility that I have because it's a programming language. So mm -hmm. because I'm doing it in, in Python, I have all the manipulation factors of like strings and indexes and lists and like the subtypes, like the, the primitive types and stuff that you have yeah, access yeah. to in Python that make it easy to sort of manipulate data in more ways than um, like you, you could yeah. technically do it with like the setup that you have. For me, I can basically just because they're functions, I mm. can just easily like you know scrap something together, and it's a little less. And I guess, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. And and I guess in a Python context as well, you've got the you can press the up button or whatever, and it'll show you the previous command, and you can redo the same command over and over again rather than having to like save it and then paste it and that sort of thing. Right. I have to see if my my flow has like a history thing, but what I was thinking was like you could actually just define a query in flow. Um, launcher, <laughs> dude, bagel is <laughs> this around. cat. Yeah. I don't know if we told people <laughs> I got yeah. another cat. Her name's bagel. She's a kitten. And she's just like the most curious little, she looks like she's hunting something right she's now. She's so which is... cute. I can't even deal with it, man. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She's very, very cute. Um, yeah. But what I was thinking was like, you could use the, uh, flow, you know, plugin system to actually just be able to write all of your stuff in the flow, um, in the flow little box that pops up, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have it just copy it back to you. I don't know. There's something really cool to me about having something in your clipboard and then modifying it and then, you know, being able to paste it again. Uh, or even yeah, maybe sure. having it selected and then you hit something and, and it does it because it just makes everything a lot more seamless, I think. So, yeah, I, I, don't I was know. just That's talking about really this. Like. I was talking about this with somebody else, but I use my clipboard as like a buffer, basically like a temporary buffer, like mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, and I use 
especially in Python, there's this um, this module called Piperclip. Yeah, PY. Piperclip, yeah. Yeah, like it's That's basically Paperclip, but PY. Mm. And it's it's cross-platform mm-hmm. clipboard reading and writing. And it's so, so useful yeah. um, because, you you know, you just from Piperclip import copy-paste. And then you have two functions, copy-paste, and they copy and paste from your clipboard. And then, uh, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's really, really um, awesome because you can chain stuff together. Like you said, you can basically, you know, copy, wrap it around something that reads from your paste and it just transforms your clipboard and you know makes everything super super easy so i I love love that kind of the the little flows makes the little helper functions all that kind of stuff makes it so much easier it really does do you and i guess just one last question on this note do you know if power toys has the capability to do python based plugins Mm, i don't know about that but the reason I brought up Power Toys was because Power Toys uses the o- this OCR project, and I think I sent it to you. But it's mm. called TextGrab. Okay. Um, but you can probably use that because you're on Windows. You yeah. can probably use that for the OCR stuff. On Mac, I think there's built-in libraries like the like Preview and stuff. You know, like um, on Mac, the, the OCR is like really really good. I don't know what they're what like. I think it's an internal thing that Apple does, but um. Mm. It's it works really really well. You when can just like you, take a picture and you, you can just select it? text from it. Oh, just like, uh, like oh, like everywhere. Yeah, you can just like phone, you or? know open if you open a PNG. Yeah, on your phone, on your Mac, like it works the same on all of them. And basically, if there's text in an image, it will just let you highlight it and copy it out. And no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, freak. You know, I'm pretty firmly <laughs> anti Mac, but you've been kind of winning me over over the past it's, re- it's really year good of talking to you every week for at least an hour and a half you know that there there's a lot of stuff that it just comes built in and is simple and easy to use that i probably would have to go and set up and and think i'm so cool for setting up but like then i realize everyone's got this if you're just using a mac so yeah and like the thing is i i i you know my powerful computer is mainly my windows desktop yeah but i really hate hacking on it because it's like it's not that you can't set everything up i think like for almost everything there is a parallel or even just you can install it in one way or another using wsl or some windows wrapper of the same tool or whatever but like it's really just having to do that extra stuff of like does this work on windows is this a windows problem okay what do i need to install to make this work on windows and now what do i have to do to like make it work within those bounds instead of on mac i just feel like most of the time if it's a some sort of unix based tool there's probably a mac port for it uh if not i could probably install it from source and i'm gonna be good to go like you know just like i would be on a linux box um and that's like that just makes things a lot easier to work with but it's expensive it's expensive and like they tend to uh have sort of planned um obsolescence you know where the where they're you know after five six years your mac is not gonna be as good as you know the ones but i mean that that's, that's now, the same case for, and... that's the same case for for everything man i don't like i bought a laptop in 2020 like a mega powerful three and a half k laptop and i was like this thing's gonna last me forever and i can barely use it now you know it's just thing you know when we're using it every single day and we're traveling with it to the live hacking events and that sort of thing it puts some you put some miles on the thing and you just got to replace them every couple of years i've kind of come to grips with that yeah for sure it's definitely like one of the more unfortunate costs of doing business uh, yeah. within like bug bounty is that like, yeah, we use expensive high power hardware yeah. and we 
use the shit out of it. And yeah. it, it, we burn it but, into the ground you know, basically. With, with Kaido, now we may not even need <laughs> to use that high, high expensive, highly Maybe expensive I'll, hardware. I'll downgrade my RAM amount, perhaps. <laughs> Seriously, man, there's no reason I need to have 128 gigs of RAM in this computer that I'm on right now. It's like, this is ridiculous. This is overkill it's from so almost crazy. everything except for opening just the smallest burp project. It's so crazy. Um, Honestly, if, if I could install, if I could have like a Hackintosh yeah. easier, um, e- like in an easier way, I would probably like con- strongly consider doing that. I really only use Windows for like gaming and like, you know. Yeah, makes sense. Well, I I uh, I just want to bring that back that conversation back around to Bug Bounty um, about the launcher thing because I, I've used it already today and yesterday, well, and a little bit yesterday when doing Bug Bounty related stuff, and it's so handy for getting. You know, if you have a system in place to be able to write plugins quickly to transform data in your clipboard uh, or transform data that you're highlighting or maybe even like Joel does, transform data that you're sort of pasting into a you know, Python module or whatever, um, it really helps your reduce the friction of ideation during exploitation. And also you just feel leap as heck when you're doing it. So I would encourage yeah. any of you guys when you're like, you know, you're too brain fried or you're too, you know, in the weeds and you got to step out and do something else for a little bit. Maybe you might set up, you know, work on setting up your launcher or your automation setup uh, when it comes to this sort of thing. I think, yeah. it'll, I think they get value for that. Yeah. I will say also like, because of the way that you've set it up mm-hmm. where it's, it's running Python. Yeah. That means that it's extensible. So like you could take the so stuff extensible. that I'm doing, all the functions and stuff that I've already written, you could just wrap them in like a, you know, a script that runs that function yeah, specifically. Could you, could you send that to me? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'll send you, I'll actually send you it because um, that'd be good. I'll, I'll send I you like whatever that. I have. Um, yeah. And you can, you know, you can basically just do that where then if you want to use them sort of in a, in like a iPython or, yeah. or in the console, you can do that, but you can also run them sort of from anywhere. We should we should clean it up actually and release it to the the uh, critical thinkers tier on Discord. I think they'd probably really sure. like that. Yeah, that'd be I'm good. I'm super down. Yep, I have a module called PyHack, so I'll um, I'll send it over to you. Sweet, that sounds good. Um, all right, well, we're already 20 minutes in and we haven't even covered any of the things that we were going to talk about. So let's get to the news. Um, nice old fashioned Justin and Joel style episode this time around. We've been doing a lot of guests and, uh, you know, masterclass and all sorts of special stuff lately. So um, good to get back to the, the good old Justin and Joel structure. Um, yeah, absolutely. The the thing that I had first on the news for today was the CTF by Franz Rosen that went out December 15th. Um, there's been a revival of CTF, uh, and yeah. particularly XSS CTF on, on Twitter. We see a lot of of uh, releases from uh, Joe X Carr um, and Franz and Matthias, and I, I did one or two. Um, so it's really cool to see those come back. And this one that Franz did was definitely something I've never seen before. I actually didn't have the chance to solve it before he re- released the solution because uh, I had a really busy week. But uh, this is definitely a really cool, a really cool payload. Um, did you see it? It's in the dock. Yeah, I did. I did. So I spent a, a bunch of time looking at this. And I was <laughs> I was going down that ra- down like yeah. the right path actually because yeah. I noticed. Um, I, like I, I noticed right away that in the escape for regex function, yeah, uh, and this will make more sense if you've actually looked at the challenge. But there, there's essentially two parts, right? There's escape for regex and escape for HTML, mm-hmm. and the escape for regex takes in like the regex parameter name, 
and then escapes it so it can be used as a regex mm -hmm. and then the escape for html takes the value escapes it so it can be used in html puts it in the html mm -hmm. um does like a, a match and replace and i had noticed pretty early on that there was some really weird replace they were using a very strange syntax okay they yeah. were using backslash dollar sign ampersand and i i was like what the fuck is that yeah. like uh, that, that that's like super weird and so i actually i looked into it and mm -hmm. i found oh you know it it references uh, it references some like uh what what was it it's like, like the a last it's a syntax language for um replacing yeah, things yeah the, the match with... substring exactly yeah yeah so, so if you're familiar with regex you probably know that like dollar sign number is very common for replace mm -hmm. groups mm -hmm. like if you if you have select groups dollar sign 0 is the whole match dollar sign 1 is the first group dollar sign 2 is the second group dollar sign 3 is the third group so on uh but i had never seen dollar sign ampersand or any of these these other ones i only knew about it, the indexes yeah um and for named groups you can also do like dollar sign uh with, with like a name uh, if you have a name on it's assigned with the group but that's also a less common syntax yeah and yeah. uh that was kind of as far as i got like i'd spent a bunch of time looking at um you know possible like how it was escaping and all that kind of stuff i had a suspicion that potentially there was something with the regex but i didn't really go down that and then i got sidetracked and never really got to finish it and so when i saw that he tweeted out the hint and was like dollar sign i was like okay for sure this is something with the regex i just mm -hmm. don't have time to do this but that kind of confirms my suspicion and then he he came out with the hint and um when i saw what the intended solution was it it, it caught me off guard again because it was not just a dollar sign but also like another nuance and so it was it was very cool he linked out to um the mozilla yeah, the javascript NGN. reference docs mm -hmm. yeah and um there's this section called specifying a string as the replacement. And this is on the string dot replace like prototype function mm -hmm. docs. Um, and it says that there's these different patterns, dollar sign, dollar sign for a dollar sign, literal dollar sign ampersand for the match substring dollar sign back tick for the portion of the string that precedes the match substring dollar sign apostrophe for the portion of this, the string that follows the match substring. And then dollar sign n for the the numbers like we talked about, and dollar sign name for named groups. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I was man. just like so <laughs> much functionality here. It's like what the heck? Yeah, so I, I really I haven't gotten to mess with this yet. But did did you did you mess with it? I I, I messed with it a ton, and and well, but after he released the solution, I was like, wow, this is super cool. And it, whenever I see this sort of thing, it makes me think like how can I look at this exploit, this specific scenario where this worked and try to apply this to a, a bigger concept or idea? And, I, and, I, and the thing that kind of came to mind was this is like input modification or input expansion, right? Like how can you take your user input and, and get it to do something different or do something um what am I trying to say? Or to modify the content of that. And we see this all the yeah. time when you're bypassing sanitization. Um, you know, we see this when there's modifications being done or functions being called on your input after a certain check is being done, you know, something right. like that. Those are common patterns. And this as well, you know, anytime your input is being placed into a scenario where it's being used as 
um, a modifier. Yeah, yeah. A, as a modifier, whereas like almost like code, right? It, it's like a pseudo right. code. Uh, it's it's not really code, but it's like a um, be, could be interpreted as string or it could be interpreted yeah. as code. You you need to look at those situations very right. closely because there's almost always some weird shit that can go on. Yeah, because I like I think if you look at this challenge, like in retrospect, um, mm -hmm. like obviously, like I, I knew from the very beginning, like this isn't going to require me to mm -hmm. find a zero day in Google yeah. Tag Manager. Yeah. Like for, for sure, like there's not, like he's not hinting at a zero day. This mm -hmm. this is using like the latest version. Like it's got to be something about the implementation. That's one of the advantages about CTFs and like challenges like mm -hmm. this in general that you know there's a solution. So the question is like, what are you missing? Mm -hmm. And that gives you more opportunities to sort of think creatively, uh, which is think what I really like about these types of things. Yeah, think critically even. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I will say like, Definitely, your spidey sense probably should have been triggered a little bit if when you were looking at like how this is working and seeing that it was taking your input mm -hmm. and making a regex out of it. Yeah. Right? Well, it's pretty much the only functionality on the page. The The script is only like, what, 35, uh, you know, lines long. And when you look at it, everything else is pretty standard. Um, right, right. You know, there's like 10 lines that go to like parsing out a query string and that sort of thing. So pretty much the only weird part of this situation is uh, the replace function. Um, and, and I guess we, we kind of dove into the details and we didn't give quite a, a, as good of an explanation for those of you that haven't seen the XSS challenge. So if you're still hanging in, you know, in there with us uh, at this point, thank you. But the scenario was that there was a, uh, a, a script tag that was being dynamically created. Um, and what ended up happening and they were using match uh, string replace in JavaScript for it. And, um, what ended up being the 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 problem with this is this whole concept of being able to inject these uh, what are they called like group modifiers or, or into the replace re, the replace portion of the replace call, um, which will allow you to take the preceding bit of what actually was being matched. So in this scenario, that was a script tag that had access to the double quote character. So yeah. when you put that in, that same double quote that was preceding your user input would get put into the replace text. And then yeah. that, that would create that would break out of the HTML attribute context and give you the ability to insert a arbitrary HTML attribute, which led to XSS. Um, right. So yeah, really it's, crazy. It's super interesting. Yeah, like when I write at regex, I've definitely come across an instance where I, I, I understand why this exists, you know, because mm -hmm. oftentimes you'll try and match something before a group or mm -hmm. whatever. And like maybe you need to know what that is. So you'll put it in a separate group and then mm -hmm. you just reference it by its index or whatever. But instead, this essentially takes the default behavior that you can have a regex that matches a whole string, mm -hmm. but also has groups within it. And you can get, you know, a portion before that, like before that mat, it, it's, it's a very niche use case, but I, I can understand why it exists. And, uh, I'm definitely gonna have to look at some of the bugs I've submitted. Cause I think that, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, and it, it underlies, you know, it emphasizes one of the things that we've talked about here often, which is regex. They're used all the time for security and they're very hard to make properly secure. So really knowing your regex stuff inside, outside, upside down in, in PHP, in JavaScript, in Python, in all of these various languages, all of them have different quirks. And uh, this whole concept of, you know, getting 
control or being able to inject the pre-match string and the post-match string and that match string in the result of a, of a replacement is something that you'll also see in other languages um, and is something that is more widely applicable to regex in general. Uh, so whenever these, these sort of techniques come out, you got to go back and look at, okay, what reports have I submitted that have anything to do with regex and how can I go back and re-break it again? Yeah, exactly. And there's always like, um, you know, it's good to, to, to know about these things because mm. some of these things are changes within like how the default functionality works. These are improvements mm -hmm. or, or things that, you know, maybe this didn't, ex I don't know when this was introduced, but um, I'm sure this didn't exist for a period of time. And so now it's been introduced and uh, now it's just something that you have to sort of keep an eye out for and be like, okay, this, I know, I know now that like you can do this, mm -hmm. you know, put that in, and in my so, notebook for later. It's so common too, like this sort of templating thing where you're taking user input and you're using it to replace a, a placeholder in a template, right? Like that happens all the time. It's not like some weird scenario where, uh, you know, the user's input is almost never placed in the actual, you know, replace the portion itself, of, yeah. of the, of the regex, um, yep. match and replace. So anytime there's, there's templating, this is something I'm going to keep in mind because the context is so important in those scenarios and being able to inject everything before uh, your match. And it's not even that, that, that pre-pended string is a part of the match. It's not, it's just before the match. So it, it's very odd. And I, I think it'll break a lot of stuff. So shout out to Franz for an amazing challenge. This one really, this one was really superb. That's <laughs> the only word I can yeah, come yeah. up with for it. Yeah, it amazing. absolutely. Yeah, this is a very, very cool one. I liked it a lot. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take a look at the next one here. Yeah. Oh man, this is this was nuts. Um, this is the hacker one disclosed twenty five k crit, um, which is kind of nuts. This is one of the things you think you'll probably never see, and then you see it. <laughs> um, yeah. But what what day was this that they released this? Uh, December eighth, hacker one disclosed a, a critical SSRF on the analytics report functionality in Hacker One, um, And essentially this was, I mean, not to underscore or not to, um, you know, undermine the coolness of this vulnerability because it was very cool, but it was pretty much a textbook uh, PDF render injection. And he was able to inject a iframe in a, in a PDF renderer. And that iframe was able to point to the AWS metadata and pull AWS credentials and just get access to everything. Um, and I just, I don't know, man, I feel like I would have, I would have probably not looked for this as much on hacker one because of how crazy, a bug this is and you would assume that they'd have their bases covered but i guess that's not the case yeah i mean if you it's kind of wild because if you look at i don't know if you expanded like the full submission all the activity to look at what the actual report was but like you literally just you know you create a new report you choose some filters and then in the template uh or so, yeah you go to the the analytics and you go to create a new report, and then in the in the template thing, you just you know you put <laughs> you just HTML inject, and it's it's GG, you know, oh my like gosh. yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's super super crazy. I actually this is really interesting because I was looking at this functionality not long ago. No way, uh, oh, de I hate definitely that. after the, no no definitely after this was reported though, mm. it wasn't it wasn't. Uh, 
it wasn't before November 23rd when this was first submitted, but mm. I was looking at this functionality. I was like, that's kind of weird. Why does it do that? Um, that makes a lot of sense. This is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I, the fact that they was able to get an iframe in there is kind of crazy. And you look at the exploit and it's like, he's like, all right, Etsy password. We're going to hit, uh, you know, 169.254.169.254. He's just like going at it. And then the funny <laughs> thing too is if you look at the comment, he says, I sent a message 10 minutes ago to all of these triagers and he just pings all of the triagers yeah. that he can <laughs> think of, which is amazing. Um, but I mean, I would, yeah. I would too, man. I'd be pinging people right off the bat if I submitted something like this. So it just goes to show, man, like even, even crazy security oriented companies that have had this type of bug reported multiple times on their own platform, um, you know, can make these sort of mistakes as well, because not all the developers are tied into this and what kind of becomes, um, everyday stuff for us, uh, doesn't necessarily become that sort of thing for all the developers, even in a security oriented organization. So it's, it's encouraging yeah. to see, and it, it makes you, it kind of, um, refreshes the, the knowledge that, Everything's vulnerable. It just takes time, you know? Yeah. 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 For sure. For sure. So cool. Yeah. It's always, it's always nice. And I love that they disclose all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. So yeah. That one must've been a hard one for hacker one to disclose. I don't know if they, if they <laughs> like to disclose that sort of thing. I, you know, it seems to me that they try to try to put forth that, that, uh, you know, precedent for the rest of the programs and stuff like that. But I'm sure Yobert, when he saw that report, kind of cringed a little bit thinking, all right, gotta, gotta send that well, one to the rest of the, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Folks, but now it's good. It is good cool. that they do that. Um, next, I had on the list here, uh, and I'm really excited about this one. Kaido has finally finished the uh, issue that I submitted months ago, and I, I, I guess I sort of cheated the system a little bit on this one. I submitted an issue to Kaido saying, "Hey, I'd really like the search tab to be reworked," and they're like, "Okay, well, you know." We, we prioritize the issues by upvotes, so uh, we'll, we'll get to it if, if it gets upvoted. I'm like, hmm, I think I know some <laughs> people that would like to upvote this. And so I, I ended up like tweeting out and calling on some of the critical thinking listeners to go upvote it. And all of a sudden it like skyrocketed to the top of the <laughs> upvoted list to get a, a cool search functionality included into Kaido, which is a very needed functionality, I think. Um, yeah. And they did it. They yeah, did that's it. Awesome, they, they prioritized it. So um, Kaido now has this really awesome, easy to use just search bar. Um, and it's got also a Wireshark-esque query language associated with it where you can query specific parts of the request um, in this URL bar and this sort of search bar um, inside of, of Kaido. So I was really hyped about that. I've been using it a lot and it's been mega helpful. And man, the only thing they need now is, is plugins and then I'll be sated for a little while. I won't be knocking on their door every day being like, hey, where's my feature? Where's my feature? So I Yeah, dude. Uh, I just need better uh, scope management. That's like okay. scope management of plugins. Let, like, me, let, me, let, me, let me add a caveat to that, man. They messaged me after we had we talked about that on the pod. I don't know yeah. if we've released that episode yet or not, but um, and they said, "Dude, we you can do that. It's just star the the word that you want star." And I tried it, and it works. It doesn't say oh, it in the little it? documentation. No, apparently it's been like that for a while, and they don't say it in the okay. little documentation if you click the little question mark next to that section in the preset scope uh, area. But okay, because um, I had tested that and it, it wasn't like that, so I think that might be. Might be a bit of a change, but it, it used to be that like, because I, I have a habit of when I add a domain, I do like 
say it's example.com. I add example.com just by itself. Mm -hmm. And then I add star.example.com. Mm -hmm. And that catches both like root domain and then like any of the subdomains under it. Cause sometimes you'll go to example.com and it'll send you to www.example.com. Oh, I, I thought you were doing just example star, you know, no, just I mean, now I will. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to do it just like I do in burp. Cause now. Oh, that's what you're doing in Kaido. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. Yeah. And you should be able to do the same thing that you're doing in burp now in Kaido uh, with just star word star. And that will give you anything that has the word in the host name. Um, so that's a big improvement. I, I'm happy to see that. So uh, it looks like the wish list for both of us now is kind of down to those plugins. So it, it will be great to have some Python plugins, though. I, I love I love a good extensibility. Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking and <laughs> Joel, yeah, definitely. Joel is distracted. It works. He's, it works. Okay, great. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I like to see it. Wow. Validated awesome, right awesome here on the pod. stuff from the Kaido team. I, uh, I like, I like to see when stuff works. So yes, that's definitely, that's definitely awesome. Good shit, man. Cool. All right, let's jump over to um, the last thing on the news. Um, we had the blind, not blind, I almost <laughs> said blind XSS. It's blind almost. CSS exfiltration research released by Portswigger. And once so again, crazy. I just wanna, just wanna say, just because I'm a Kaido fanboy and I love Kaido, doesn't mean I have anything against Portswigger as a company. Their product, it's heavy, you know, it requires a lot of uh, RAM, but it's amazing and, and Burp is a phenomenal tool and Portswigger Research is so great. Um, and this time around, it was Gareth uh, releasing a blind CSS injection tool, which is such an interesting concept and a relatively new, I guess, attack vector or vulnerability type, not, not something that I've heard about before this, uh, this write-up, uh, where he releases a tool for essentially being able to do for, it's like what XSS Hunter is, but for CSS and being able to exfiltrate the contents of various input fields and text areas and that sort of thing. Uh, and the write-up is really detailed and includes a lot of um, I guess sort of research mentality in there as well, which is something we really like to see about how he figured out how many um, input fields there are by using the has and not selectors in CSS and then be chaining that together with uh, the, what is it? Uh, sick cyclical import chain, I, I want to say is called technique yeah. uh, sort of coined in my mind by donut. I'll, although there's another researcher, Pepe Vila, that has also uh, released something almost the exact same time as donut about uh, CSS exfiltration um, and using the import uh, sort of directive in CSS to along with some delaying and responding to HTTP requests in order to create a chain where you can exfiltrate data very quickly and effectively out of um, CSS via CSS out of input fields. So really cool research right. here. You love to see it. Uh, and I'm excited to give it a shot. I haven't used the blind uh, CSS. I almost said blind XSS again, because it's just a habit. <laughs> the blind CSS exfiltrator yet. And I'm sure the use cases are pretty niche, but I guarantee you will see this at a live hacking event sometimes because people always come up with the craziest shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, dude. This is, uh, I love this research. This is such uh, such interesting stuff. It's awesome. They actually shouted out to Donut and Pepe Vila. Um, they did. In the, in, the, uh, in the research that this was, uh, you know, this sort of this technique um was based on that that sort of work uh the import chaining stuff so it's very 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 cool um i think css i i mean we can kind of tell based on how gareth has been doing css research for the past like two years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that css is definitely 
in unexplored territory. Yeah. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. And they keep adding functionality too, right? They keep making it easier. They're adding more selectors to do different things with CSS mm -hmm. instead of having to use SCSS or yeah. uh, what, what's the other what, I, don't, I don't know. You always see them in the, in the yeah, yeah. pack or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's uh, it's really, really cool stuff. I love this this kind of research. Yeah, so. I've, I've, as on the note of CSS sort of features expanding, I've got a couple areas in my pocket where because I was doing some CSS-based stuff as well when I was doing the post-message-based uh, CSS injection to credit card exfiltration exploits. And I've got a couple areas uh, on high-impact programs where I can inject CSS in, an, in like a credit card number context, uh, but I don't have all the gadgets I need to fully exfiltrate the card data. So I'm just mm. waiting and waiting and waiting. There are a couple key features that I need CSS to release before I can actually start to exfiltrate that data. So I've been keeping mm. a close eye on the CSS change logs because I know they're going to come That's out. Crazy. And some of the stuff, one of the th keys I can think of in particular, they say that they're going to release it. And I'm just like, when? Please release it <laughs> for Christmas, please. So <laughs> That's funny. There's some large companies out there who are sweating bullets right now, just know. knowing that yep. their, their credit card flow is insecure, Check but Justin's waiting card for flow. the CSS release. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Um, so that's it for the news this time. And what I was thinking for the rest of the show is to talk a little bit about the past year in Bug Bounty for the both of us, how our stats kind of landed, um, if we're satisfied with our performance over the past year, and also talk about some of the top earning bug classes that we we're able to identify and then also sort of go after some goals for the new year. I, I, I'm a little bit of a, uh, some people say, you know, you shouldn't talk about your goals and stuff like that in public before you accomplish them because y you get that sort of adrenaline hit by saying, all right, I'm going to do this, you know, and that kind of takes away from the motivation. But I kind of, I kind of get the opposite. I'm like, if I call my shot, then I gotta, I gotta do that, you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah. and so it's a little bit scary to come on a podcast, you know, with several thousand people listening every week and, uh, and sort of talk about it, but we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I, I've got, I've definitely got some stuff I want my, I've got my eye on and I think is the most effective way to accomplish my bug bounty goals, but we'll see if that changes as we, as we get into the new year. Um, but first let's do the year in review. Um, do you want to go yeah. first or should I? Yeah, sure. We'll uh, we'll start small here because <laughs> I'm not the full time hacker here. You right. are. So no. yeah. So I um, my breakdown was um, I submitted just under 25 reports, uh, 23 reports this year, mm. um, which is pretty good. That's you know about one every two weeks, give or take. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so you know that's that's pretty solid uh, considering I work a full time job. Yeah. Um, You've had a busy so year too. 30, promotion. Yeah. And yeah. Such. I, yeah. <laughs> crazy busy year yeah. all sorts of crazy things so many Your weddings cats and, and stuff like that <laughs> yeah 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 two cats in under a year yeah um yeah so 30 percent crits 17 percent high 34 percent medium 13 percent low four percent none so yeah i'm about even between highs and crits or sorry between mediums and crits mm. which kind of tells me that basically i either end up in the middle or i end up way at the top exactly um, yeah, yeah yeah so so that's kind of interesting 
um, maybe it would be good to spend some time trying to focus on seeing if I can get some more of those highs next year. Because mm. I mean, high, high payouts are usually still quite, quite good. good. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, it's not, this, not all about focusing on that. I think this makes sense too, because a lot of times when you look for critical vulnerabilities, you, and but there's some like major precondition that's needed or mitigating factor, you land at a medium instead of a high, which is a little bit of a shame, but it is something that you see pretty often. So it makes, that makes sense to me that about those would be about even because about half the time they're going to have some weird thing that you can't quite work around or, or even, you know, when we work together, um, you know, there's some, some preconditions that were required for some exploits that we just really couldn't work around. And because you can't really do anything if you don't have access to, functionality and sometimes that functionality is gated behind you know uh privileges or something like that so right right absolutely yeah um so the breakdown for what type of engagements these are mostly on um it was basically 50 50 for me i'm excluding some of the smaller stuff but it was essentially 50 percent bounty programs and 50 percent challenge programs mm, uh, mm. which is going to be like live hacking events h1c's the maybe i don't know if pen tests are included in that maybe maybe not i don't think so uh, i don't i don't know um but yeah about 50 50 between live hacking events and bounty programs which is pretty much expected for me that's basically all i do for bug bounty is yeah. <laughs> that and then pen tests is a, is the little bit of the portion that's on the side that's probably not in there yeah yeah so i, I guess that's in, that's true pen tests are not probably included in these stats which is interesting i i haven't done many pen tests but i know you do them on a pretty regular basis right yeah, I try and um, keep them going on somewhat of a regular cycle. It's just a good, you know, you can do them at the same time as you do bounty stuff mm-hmm. if you have uh, um, the, the the capacity for it. And I think it's a good source of income. Like, even if you're just a pen tester, and let's say you book them back to back every two weeks, uh, I want to say the pay is let's you know it's a couple thousand dollars per pen test mm-hmm. uh, per person. Mm-hmm. So if you you know multiply that twice a month. 24 yeah, a year great. you know uh, it's even if it's you know two thousand dollars for a pen test right that's almost 50 uh, almost 50k a year yeah. right so that's awesome um it's it's a good amount of side income if you can do them all the time yeah that's that's great dude i'm i'm uh yeah I, I think the other thing that comes to mind on this sort of thing is that you've mentioned in the past that you feel like the areas that you research take a lot of upfront investment. So it's not as easy for you to just kind of hop in and say, all right, I've got three hours. Let me go find a bug. You know, it's more like, yeah. all right, um, I'm going to hack this target now. This is going to be my thing for the next two weeks. Uh, and yeah. uh, I'm only going to think about that. And that's going to be my life, you know? like Yeah. Um, One of the interesting things I've noticed about my hacking style is that like, it's not, it's not so much like, like the bounty is cool and stuff, but I'm more enticed by the challenge. Mm-hmm. And so when I see something that's like been set up to be challenging, that's what really will get me like, I want to get around that. So a good mm-hmm. example, and this is a public program, Hyatt. Mm-hmm. Um, Hyatt is, uh, they have a, a bug bounty a program. Pro- they pay pretty program? well. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hyatt Hotels. Um, oh, they uh, they, they pay pretty well. And I think they have 10K crits. And um, I was spending a lot of time looking at their mobile app and it's very very intensely obfuscated and Oof. that just has got it's really grinding my gears you know because i'm like <laughs> i want to know i want to know how this works i want to dive into this i want to find like what what's the juice oh, no. that they're hiding behind the the you know the walls or whatever so yeah. um it's that kind of stuff where but it's like huge upfront investment like you said like i'm gonna spend maybe more than a month 
just trying to figure out how this kind of this stuff is working and get the ins and outs. But once I'm there, right, I'm ahead of everybody else. So that's that's kind of the mm. the risk reward, right? Is that once you spend that time and you get past that, and you get the understanding. It t- takes everybody else the amount of time to get there too. I know that this is a little challenging for you, but when you do something like this, you should probably stick with that program for like. A year, Joel. You should probably like not just throw that whole investment in the trash and move on to the next program the next time you see a shiny object. Um, I see how it works. I'm figured out. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Uh, uh, what what next? <laughs> yeah. Finally, you know, Joel presses enter. He sees the, the code. Sweet. Okay. Well, what's it? Oh, I got a private uh, program dude, invite. You know, <laughs> I wish I was lying because like that is honestly like that's how like the dopamine feels where I like oh, I'll finally no. like I'll solve it and then I'll be like, oh, all right. Well, that's not exciting anymore. Like what, yeah. what, what now? What what do I go like figure out how this works now? So I do need to I need to need to work on that a little bit. I, uh, we'll, 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 we'll talk a little bit more about this in the goals section, but I'll, I'll let you go ahead and why don't you okay. give your yeah, year sure. review and then we can, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do mine and then we'll uh, strategize together on how to solve your bug bounty. <laughs> My ADHD. <laughs> ADHD yeah. Um, okay. So for me, 2023, um, you know, I actually didn't compare it with last year. Uh, I kind of wish oh, I, had, I didn't either. I kind of wish I had done that. So let me see, can I actually just press this and change it? So yeah, it looks like my last year was actually slightly better than this year, uh, as far as performance goes. Uh, And I'm gonna go ahead and reselect the correct items here, but because I don't, I, I don't have the whole thing up for what it looks like for last year. But just a quick look at the numbers suggests that last year was slightly higher performing than this year. Um, but this year I had exactly 100 submissions, which makes me feel great. And I, I can't submit any more bugs in 2023 <laughs> now because uh, I, I'm locked into that. I have to stick with that, um, which is really cool. I got 125 uh, payments, which means that it's kind of weird. It's kind of odd that they say payments because it could be multiple uh, bounties on the same report. That's happened to me quite a few times. It could be collabs uh, that I've been paid out from, or they could be talking about payments as in like uh, how many times it actually paid out to your bank account, in which case I know at the beginning of the year they were capping payouts at 10K. So um, that's that's a little bit odd, but uh, yeah, yeah, any combination of those. Um, And then my breakdown as far as severity was 18% critical, 26% high, 46% medium, 6% low, and 4% none. Um, and I looked into the none and I was like, man, did I really like not even care enough to assign a severity rating to this before I submitted <laughs> it? And I believe those 4% none are like reimbursement reports and stuff like that for purchasing hardware yep. or like um, getting bonuses for doing well at a specific thing you know they sometimes ask you to submit a report and they'll close it um and they'll just pay you a bonus on top of that so that's what those were i was really surprised to see i only have six percent low um but i went back and looked at Mm. it and it seems like it's accurate um there's not very many bugs that actually came through as low in the end um and i think another part of this is that there was a lot of dupes as well that might have been paid out as lows but they didn't care to adjust the severity from medium to low. 
because it was a dupe, so they just didn't bother to change it. So that could be where some of the thing is too, where most of those are landing in medium um, rather than a low, and that low number is looking mm -hmm. uh, artificially low. Um, but yeah, I was pretty happy with 18% crits. I went back and looked at it, and those are all like true crits, um, which I was happy about. Nice. Um, and I feel like the crit to high ratio is pretty solid as well um, and kind of expected for where this will lay out. Um, so I was pleased with that distribution. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, I, I was just comparing while you were, mm -hmm. while you were giving your, your rundown, I was just comparing my mine to last year. Yeah. And I, I think I must've had like a slump last year or something. Cause yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even submit a crit last year. Um, no, I don't uh, and, that. and I, I forexed my bounties between last year and Did this you year. Really? Wow. So, yeah. Congrats to you. Yep. So definitely, uh, you know, don't, uh, don't let one bad year ruin your, uh, you know, your, your mentality. Cause, uh, you can definitely get into little slumps and not have the best year, but, uh, yeah. next year, you know, look forward to next year. Right? Sure. What did, what did you not do right this year? So actually let, let let's, let's go over that. Cause, um, I think we both put some goals together here, um, yeah. to kind of go over like maybe things that we could do better next well, year one, and one other thing, work on next year. One other thing before we hop into goals that I wanted to share was oh, yeah, that yeah. the, the challenge, um, the challenge to bug bounty ratio that you mentioned before was a lot higher for me. It was 73% challenges and 26% hmm. bug bounty. Uh, and so 70, uh, roughly 75% of my reports were being submitted to hacker one live hacking events or hacking challenges or campaigns or something like that, which I think is pretty yeah. telling because when you're doing the live hacking events every other month, you know, uh, there's rarely enough energy for you to put more time into other programs. And I think right. probably this 26, uh, you know, percent, I, I want to say this percentage would be even higher if we look earlier in the year before Q4, um, where the bug bounty live hacking events sort of slowed down a little bit. Um, right. and I was focusing more on other programs. Um, yeah. So really the predominant amount of my income is coming from the live hacking events, which is a little bit scary for me moving into 2024 because uh, I'm, I'm hoping to start a family in 2024. And I know that that's going to be really busy and I might not make it out to the live hacking events quite as much. So yeah. we'll see how that manifests. But there's always the opportunity to participate remotely too. So I think I'll, I'll probably be taking advantage of that. Yeah, dude, for sure. If you actually change your breakdown from like mm. yearly or whatever to yeah. quarterly, yeah. you can see that over time. Like I see it in mine as well, where there out. are basically large spikes where it's just like all challenge, like that whole quarter is just like mm. all challenge submissions or yeah. maybe mostly challenge submissions. Um, so yeah, I, I have yeah. a lot of the same That's, thing. I, I think it's accurate. just very difficult to balance it, right? Where it's like, you know, you want to take time off mm. too and like not just be like hacking 24 seven. So after an event, that's a great time to take a little breather. And then usually the next event sort of starts to come up and then you're doing prep and here you go again. Yeah. Right. So, um, 100%. yeah, yeah it's, uh, and, it's really cool. And just to be clear, um, for those of you listening, the, the graphs that we're looking at can be found at hackerone.com slash hacker underscore dashboard slash dashboards slash performance. So if you go to your yeah. hacker dashboard, there's a performance tab at yeah. the top that you can yeah, find. The easy way is just on that little sidebar or whatever mm -hmm. in the menu, you click dashboard and then there's a tab at the top called performance. Right. And that'll give you all the, the graphs, all the breakdowns. You can change the time ranges. You can add filters. You can see your overall numbers, uh, all the all the everything that you can imagine um, so should be there. The, so definitely the other go stat, check out. The other stat that I wanted to talk about is uh, the payouts by bugs for me. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to hear yours too, Joel. But for me, I was looking at the, the bugs that I made the most money on this year. And it looks like IDOR is like a substantial amount of my income. Let me run the numbers 
roughly in my head, it's like a sixth, one sixth or one seventh of my, of my income wow. comes from IDORS. Um, one, I had one huge XSS payout. So, uh, XSS is my next one. Uh, but mm -hmm. it, it would be a little bit less if I didn't have that one huge XSS payout. Um, and then the next one is improper authentication generic. And then I think beneath that as well is the, uh, broken access controls stuff. Um, mm. and so those are the big categories for me, which kind of shows my testing style is, is largely, um, oriented towards some, some client side, but oh, also the other one on here was information disclosure is a huge one. Um, and mm. so my, my, my style is a little bit moved towards information disclosure and IDOR and access control stuff, as well as authentication. Um, and I think code injection came in at like fourth or fifth um on the list so that one that one makes yeah. a, a an appearance as well but um i'm mostly looking for auth authorization and authentication related issues along with client side stuff yeah so for me my top one was a privilege escalation hmm. i'm not really sure i have some ideas as to why that probably is i think a, a lot of things probably fall into that yeah, it's but pretty wide I, that's category. not really what i've been looking for the next two which are kind of what i would expect um excluding no weakness I, I have a lot like my third highest one is no weakness so I, I, <laughs> either i'm not setting it or h1's not setting it i think i always said it though said, I don't, I, says, I don't know. yeah it's broken <laughs> you know i promise <laughs> <laughs> it's not me okay <laughs> but the, the the next two named ones are information disclosure and insecure storage of sensitive information mm, right yeah, so that those are basically a, the same thing on my list as well yeah, and I kind of view those as essentially PII, right? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, user data, user PII, um, maybe a lack of access controls that's leading mm -hmm. to PII disclosure or something like that. So um, those two kind of make sense. Um, and then everything else, you know, I've got some OS command injection, reflective XSS, couple, you know, functionality bypass some more random things this is a little bit yeah. challenging i think this is an area that hacker one could improve on uh, as far as the classification of bugs go and kind of helping us um sort of formularize or um organize our our hacking data to represent what kind of vulnerabilities we're finding um because these vulnerability categories are so large it's kind of hard to select the correct correct one uh and then also when you're writing the report the last thing you really want to do is like spend time scrolling through this giant like list of you know 200 different uh, things you could select for the weaknesses uh when you're just trying to get the report in and you're excited and you're kind of on that high so uh, yeah. I think this is uh, the best data we've got, and, and it's definitely an improvement from last year, you know, the way that they were doing the dashboards and stuff like that over the past couple of years. Um, but I think there's definitely still room for improvement here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's nice to be able to see this breakdown in, in, in the granularity that we have it. Let's, you know? uh, let's, let's talk about the goals for, for 2024. Okay. Um, you, you want to, I guess you started on the, uh, on the year in review, so I'll, I'll start on this one. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. So, and actually, I wanted to kind of talk through with you something uh, sort of as a friend uh, talking about goals for 2024. So obviously, the podcast has become a big part of my life uh, in, in 2023 because we launched it early 2023. And we're coming up on the one yep. year anniversary of launching it. Around this time last yep. year, I was messaging Joel being like, hey, man, maybe we should start a podcast. Um, <laughs> and so that's cool. Um, with that, I... I'm trying to think about what is the best technique or the best approach to bug bounty for this year that will give me the best ROI for bug bounty and also for critical thinking, right? 
And, and so I want to be able to tell you guys about cool stuff every week. And I want to come in here pumped, you know, like I've just found a bug and share some awesome technical shit with you guys and just kind of share that joy that comes along with Bug Bounty. Um, and I think probably the best way for me to do that is to try to bring research a little bit more into my flow because I could go in there and I could find a bunch of access control issues and IDORs and stuff like that. And sometimes those are really engaging bugs that are really exciting and very fun. Um, but a lot of times those also just kind of pay the bills. And what's really more exciting is like, oh, wow. Um, if I'm replacing a string, I can actually insert the pre-match into the replacement by using this syntax and just being like, boom, my mind is blown, you know, and, and bringing these sort of cool tips. And we've talked a lot of stuff about, uh, about a lot of stuff, uh, client side quirks and, and post message related stuff. That's really exciting. So I think in, in 2024, the best way to add value to my own <laughs> wallet <laughs> as a bug bounty hunter and <laughs> add value to critical thinking is probably to do more research oriented stuff. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, doing like cool, unique sort of like taking technologies and like finding the nuances, mm -hmm. especially for like bug bounty. We've talked yeah. about this a little bit with like there's some blog posts out there that are like, here's all the ways to do X, Y, like window and top and yeah. like all, all the ways to reference window. window. Like, and character that kind sets. of stuff. Yeah. Right. Like it's very difficult to find that kind of stuff unless you found it and bookmarked it. Mm -hmm. um, and so like going the extra step and like being like we there's no research on this let's create research mm -hmm. on that and let's give it to the community um i think that is a really powerful opportunity to like share knowledge um unique knowledge and and research and get yeah. cool opportunities and ideas and all that kind of stuff plus find cool bugs i'm, I'm a little bit unsure how that i mean obviously i could pick a specific area and then come up with like a sort of artificial scenario and then do you know exploit that scenario and and have that be the research but I, I, the kind of way i've done it up until this point is like let me look at an actual target let me look at the way that people are actually implementing things break that and then turn it into research and so right. I, i'm i'm wondering if I'm not doing enough on the turn it into research part or, and obviously we've had a lot of cool stuff to talk about this year. So I, I, I'm satisfied with that. And it was, it was a great year, but I'm wondering if I should approach it more from like a actual research perspective, or if I should focus on really attacking what's in front of me and attacking what I know is actually being implemented by these, you know, 20, 20 to 30 companies we assess every single year. Yeah. So I think, I mean, a lot of this, a lot of the research stuff comes like naturally, right? So yeah. what, what happens is you'll like spend some time exploring something. Maybe it goes a little deeper than you might've expected. And then you kind of are like, you know, I've seen this on other apps. Like, let me spend, let me spend some time like figuring out how this works mm -hmm. and like finding this bug across other platforms, etc. Um, So I think that is probably like, I don't think you're like underdoing it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I yeah. think, as a full-time researcher, it's difficult to find the balance between research you want to publish and research you want to keep to yourself. Yeah, and that's another thing Also, as well. then doing that research while hacking, all that kind of like it, it's difficult, right? Um, so yeah, I, I but I feel like overall we're doing a pretty good job, and yeah. we'll just spend a little more time I, on, on like some research. I, I see it on your list as well for the goals for 2024 that you you've got unique research on there, and I think also one of the things in the past is like I'm not particularly a Twitter 
you know, clout person or, or, or you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of motivation to go and take these research um, things and write like a massive blog post about it and then post it, you know, to share it. And even though I would like to share it, it's just, I don't see the most ROI for my time in doing that um, in the past. But now I think with critical thinking a little bit more established and the, the, the subscribers on the Discord and that sort of thing, I, there's a little bit more of an impetus for me to say, okay, well, let me take one day, you know, one, one calendar day here and devote it into taking this research and like getting it into a document and then getting some people to review it and that sort of thing and getting it published. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how that manifests itself in the new year. I think, I think we will see some more stuff come out, especially to the premium discord and, and definitely to the world as well. Um, since we have a little bit more of a focus on that now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I did have unique research in there, uh, for myself. I, I mean, it's kind of what we just talked about, which is basically, you know, um, I'd like to find some, you know, cool tools or cool, you know, architectures, whatever infrastructure, mm. you know, I just want to do some deep dives on stuff, figure out how stuff works. Mm. Um, and some of that I think will be spurred by the ongoing hacking and research that I'm doing like mm -hmm. outside. Um, but also just, maybe from the community as well as friends as we discuss and see different things on the internet. Yeah. And I, I think the whole, just going back to the whole conversation surrounding research for research sake, rather than research for hacking a company's sake, I think the research for research sake, sort of like uh, James Kettle style stuff is like, is super great. But then you've got that extra step of like, all right, now I've got to figure out how to scan for this across all of the bug bounty programs. And if you don't have like a very identifiable, fingerprint for that like for example right. i'm thinking about doing some post message based research sure i can scrape all the js files and find every message you know reference to post message or whatever but it's not going to be every single re reference to post message it's going to be like a you know a very specific subset of those um so it's a little bit harder to f you know programize that sort of thing um which i'm a little bit intimidated by but also you know you see some great results come out of that so maybe it's something i should try i don't know i, I guess we'll see yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see what else we got. On the you... list here. Yeah. Let me, let me, I'll, I'll talk about this next one and then we'll kind of go yeah. back and forth. Cause I've got a couple more than yours. Um, so the next one I have on my list is non-traditional automation stuff, uh, that I'd like to do in 2024. And that includes JS monitoring, which is something we've talked about a lot here to kind of, uh, alert when new features are being added to applications that you already have a large context for and source code, monitoring for things that you actually have the source code for, which I think will be really big for me. Uh, if I can identify some vulnerable patterns in open source software that's being you know, either propagated to a bunch of companies or is actually have having a bug bounty program themselves, then I think that could be a, a source of semi-passive income where it's like, hey, there's very likely a bug here. Go check it out. And it takes maybe an hour to exploit it. And you can get a report out of it. Uh, but it's not you know the traditional... Uh, subdomain takeover or whatever yeah. XSS that you see in, in automation. Yeah, dude, I feel like that that kind of that kind of um, pipeline is like really really useful, <laughs> really really useful for um, for those who don't see the cat bagel. Miss Bagel is climbing on me right now. Very cute, very she's, cute cat. She's trying to nap. Um, yes, but uh, no, I think that that kind of pipeline is very very. Uh, almost necessary for full-time hackers mm. because the reality is if you don't have something like that, then you're going to be spending time 
looking for things to hack. Mm-hmm. And that takes time, which takes away, away from, from your money. Hacking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, like, if like if you don't spend some time building an automation or some sort of monitoring or whatever that's like constantly feeding you new things to look at, then you're gonna have to take your own time out of your hacking or extra time, right? Where you could be making money to go then find those targets or spend time looking at those things and and tracking down those signals, and uh, you know, it just makes it a whole lot easier for you uh, to have basically like a little assistant kind of. It's just like, hey, take a look at this, take a look at that. And sort of refreshing your context too, because we kind of talked about that before as well of like, you kind of lose context for a specific program after a little while. But if you've written, if you've taken notes with code, that was one of the big takeaways that I had from Sam Herb's um, episode was if you've taken notes with code and you've said, hey, there was a reason why I thought that it was really important that this, I should alert on this specific string. And then those neural pathways refire a lot more quickly and you can get right back into where you were uh, versus if you're coming in with no context. So that's, I, that's something I'm currently doing on, on a couple programs, but the pipeline isn't like fully built out and sometimes my scripts kind of <laughs> flake out or whatever. So that's something that I'll, I'll be doing more of in 2024 and getting a good pipeline in place for. Um, yeah. All right, what's the next one on your list? Um, I wanted to be more consistent with, um, reports and hacking. Uh, mm. I think we, we talked about that. I I'm about, you know, one every two weeks, um, right now, I think I'd like to get that more just in general across the board. I'd mm. like to be doing more hacking, um, submitting more reports, looking at more stuff. Um, it's very difficult to find the time and the energy with all the yeah. million things I have going on yeah. to, um, sit down and like spend some quality time hacking and finding bugs. Um, I find that a lot of the time I'm just kind of like looking at stuff and noticing interesting things, but it, it, it takes a little bit more to get it to, to sort of that end point. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like to be a little more consistent on that for sure. Yeah. Consistency as a part-time hunter is, is difficult because it ebbs and flows with your job, with your personal life, with all this other stuff. And the next one on, on my list is trying to accomplish all of this like lofty goals stuff that I've got for the podcast and for about bounty hunting in normal business hours in, in yeah. you know, an eight hour day. Because here's what I've come to realize, Joel, is like you can accomplish really amazing stuff if you work 80 hours a week and it's not that yeah. hard, you know, besides the, besides the working 80 hours a week part, which is, you know, just physically and sort of mentally challenging. Um, if you're working double the amount as, as other people, you're going to have crazy, uh, you know, oversized results. Right. And that's just kind of to be expected and not that right. crazy. The crazy thing to me is when people work less than other people or less than expected, and still get outsized results, right? So that's yeah. kind of something that, and that, that kind of shows that you've really got your system down or you're really looking at something differently, you know? Um, or you got really lucky. <laughs> or you got really lucky, right? Which I feel like that's the case every single time I submit a bug. But um, yeah. <laughs> the data would suggest otherwise, considering <laughs> either that or I'm the luckiest human on earth. Um, uh, and so for me, 2024, I want to limit that and and really just work within a certain period of time um whether it be a sliding eight hour window or uh you know a flexible eight hour window whatever it is um and then just work more efficiently and still accomplish great results within that time frame yeah yeah absolutely i think that's a really interesting um takeaway Mm. is like you know what you mentioned is that like 
being able to do the same thing that other people do in less amount of time mm. <clears throat> means that you can do more than them mm -hmm. or you can mm -hmm. make more than them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's a really like, f if you can figure out how to optimize what you're doing to do it in less time, mm -hmm. that's huge. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I love that. Um, I, I feel very similarly, which is like, I'm doing a ton of things and generally I'm pretty good about like keeping mm. it within work hours, mm. but I also feel like the burden of doing all those things makes it very challenging to keep all of them going at the same time. Yeah. So maybe it's, you know, rebalancing them to do them on certain days instead of everything every day um, or, or whatever it is, you know, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think it's definitely something uh, to be worked on. Mm. Yeah. And, and just for those of you listening that, might feel like you haven't achieved the sort of success that you're looking for, whether it be in bug bounty or career and stuff like that. <laughs> one, one tip that kind of goes contrary to what we're talking about right now is that if really you just want the success, one of the best ways to get that is just put in more time, you know, and, and, and you got to decide whether that's going to be healthy for you or whether you're in a position in life where you're going to benefit from that um, and, and whether that's actually what you want with your goals. Uh, but if you're really just looking for success, you can probably find that by doing it more. And I, I've noticed this in, in multiple areas of life, you know, um, not just bug bounty, but fitness as well was one of the other ones. I was like, I used to be doing a three by five program where I would do three sets of five reps and when I once a week, but then I switched to twice a week, five by five. And I noticed the results dramatically changed just because I'm, I'm pushing more weight and I'm spending more time doing it, you know? Um, and so I think that's another hack, but obviously comes with at the cost of a bunch of time and effort. So mm. yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, the, the next thing I had on my list was I want to hack more IOT stuff or I want to do more hardcore source code review. And those are not entirely disjointed from each other, but I'll just say, Joel, that experience that we had of hacking uh, on that live hacking event together earlier this year, um, and we just had like this massive Python code base, and we were just tearing it apart and finding all the sources and syncs. And even now, with with uh, the word fence stuff we've done over the past couple of weeks, doing a lot of PHP source code review and that sort of thing, um, I just realized how much I love actually having source code. It's it's phenomenal, you know. Um, okay, dude. And, I have a I have a program. Uh oh for us what have you got i've been i've been working can, on something can you I'll say it you. Uh, okay do you, do i can i don't know if we should no, 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 don't say it don't say uh, it because i'd like to work on it with you all right but it's a public program but yeah oh all right well we'll see how it goes i i would definitely like to do more of that and i love the concept of iot stuff being where like you dump the firmware and then you get the source code and now you're doing source code review that's the ideal situation but this is going back to what we were talking about before iot stuff the bounties aren't good enough relative to the time you have to invest. Really, IoT bounties need to be high, high five figures to make it worth worth the time if you're if you're a decent web hunter. Right. Because you can go to programs like PayPal and Shopify where they're paying massive bounties for web stuff, you know, um, and and find stuff quicker than you would on an IoT based program. And it's easier, you know, and your, your eyes aren't bleeding and you're not having to fight with hardware and there's not a bunch of setup without the thought of return on investment. So I think IOT space needs to expand its bounties uh, and, and pay a little bit more into the five figure range and some even in the six figure range to see the real big sort of attraction from 
other hunters that have diverse skill sets as well. So one of those two will be good. And then this is the other thing that uh, I, I wanted to talk about. And this is kind of, a, I, I think, probably something that you and I both have on our, our goals for 2024 would be um, this concept of influencing tool creation or influencing uh, the sort of development in the industry that we'd like to see that we don't necessarily have time to do, right? So I've just been really blown away by how awesome the critical thinking community is and how you guys have taken a lot of the ideas that we presented here on the podcast and actually turned them into tools. Um, and I think that that's something that could be scaled well, you know, like we, us mentioning these sort of things, us having sort of the inside scoop from a lot of top hunters, taking it to the podcast, giving it to the public, and then the public turning this into actual actionable tools that can be used by all hackers and making it a little bit more accessible. Um, so that's something I definitely want to keep doing in 2024. Yeah, for sure. Same here. Um, you know, I want to, I, I want to keep working on that all that kind of like influencing influencer. Positive you know, change. This in is like industry. a whole new. Yeah, like there's um, this is a whole new space I think for both of us. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely been interesting uh, all the stuff that we've learned in the last year. Mm. Um, and so it's, and uh, influencing it's really... little, you know, kind of has a little bit of a negative connotation, but but really at the end of the day, it's it's educating. You know, it's sharing knowledge, right? Which is what right. uh, that this whole content creation thing is about is like coming on here giving that knowledge, giving that okay. So there's the knowledge piece, and there's also the energy piece, right? Because you know you can come in here and. Man, like sometimes I've been on this podcast and I'm like freaking grabbing my mic so tight and I'm like <laughs> yelling into the microphone because I'm so hype about these sort of things, right? Um, and that's great. That's great to share with the community and the community has shared with me that that, that is a source of a lot of, a lot of energy um, for them and, and can, can lead to the development of some really awesome tools that I've, that I've seen. So uh, definitely excited for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the and the last thing on mine was uh, I I want to hack more web stuff. Honestly, oh, I, um, okay. So we're you know I, like we're I, flipping. Hack, I hack some web stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we are basically flipping because I've done you know a lot of IoT stuff. I do source code mm -hmm. review like all the time. Like it's all <laughs> mobile. It's just like reading code and like I've done a lot of that kind of stuff. And um, it's not that I'm bored of it. It's just that like I I want to do new stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to learn new things. I want to get better at stuff like i see i i feel like there's a, a a part of like there's a there's a, a a whole bunch of vulnerabilities that i am not good at um that i'd like to be better at mm. and in i haven't space. been good at them because yeah in the web space mm. just because like i don't do them as much yeah. like i don't exploit them as often i'm not looking at those technologies as often so it's just something that i'm not as familiar with and um i definitely would like to like to get there with it so Sweet, man well we um, can we can trade yeah. a little bit i i feel comfortable yeah, we'll with almost every you know web-based vulnerability that i can i i'm aware of um cool. and so we can we can trade off knowledge there and you can teach me how to do some good source code review and and uh and iot hacking absolutely it should be great man Alrighty, dude, I think that's a wrap. You got anything else you want to say before we kick it to 2024? No, you know, honestly, this was a great year. Um, thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast, being with us on this yeah. on this uh, this first year. It's been really exciting and I'm um, looking forward to what happens next year. Yep. Same, same here. I really appreciate the community and uh, thanks, for, thanks for a great year, critical thinking listeners. Yeah, See absolutely. you guys. Peace.